0: Hey everyone, it's Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is all about the Icelandic education system. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Arnold Gudmundsson, the director of the Directorate of Education in Iceland. We discussed many things, including the different levels of education in Iceland, just as a primer for everyone who isn't aware of how the system is set up, as well as how the Icelandic education system compares with other countries, some challenges the directorate is facing, like the continued decrease in literacy among Icelandic teenage boys. By touching on that topic, We kind of dived a bit into how the survival of the Icelandic language is threatened by English. You'll also get a chance to hear a little bit about Arnott's experience as a student in the US as compared to Iceland. Even though the Directorate of Education focuses on testing and producing textbooks for schools in Iceland, Arnott was helpful in giving an overview of the system. In addition to this interview, I have included some text about the history of the education system in Iceland, the list of universities here, and some answers to common questions about the education system in Iceland in the show notes. You can check that out if you're curious to learn more. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you're subscribed and leave a review. For those of you who are active on Instagram, Facebook, and or YouTube, I post a lot of content there that doesn't get shared on the podcast. What's great about those platforms is that I get a chance to chat with listeners like yourself in the comments section and through direct messages, which I really enjoy. If you look up All Things Iceland on any of those platforms, you'd be able to easily find me, so feel free to follow me on whichever platform you prefer. Okay, now let's jump into the interview with Arnur, thank you for sitting down to chat with me today about education in Iceland, which I'm super curious about and I know many others are as well.
1: Nice to be with you.
0: Thank you. And I am curious, just to start out, before we kind of jump into the education system, just to learn a little about you, why you're... Working with the Directorate of uh, Education here, like what made you interested in wanting to do this type of work?
1: Yes, well, I actually started, did my studies, graduate studies in the US, in, in Minnesota, did my PhD in sociology there. And uh, when I came back, I started teaching at the University of Iceland. But I wanted to change, so I decided to apply for a job at the Department of Education with the government. And I stayed there for 20 years. <coughs>
0: <laughs> A change became your career, essentially. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of, yeah. Okay. And uh, for the last five years, I've been heading this directorate of education. Okay. It was set up five years ago. Okay. No, four years ago, yeah.
0: Great. And how is it in the U.S., in Minnesota? It's pretty cold in the wintertime.
1: Yeah, it was cold, yeah. I sort of had this extreme weather <laughs> yeah. of... Um, Extreme cold and and lot humidity, and also. But I liked a lot, I stayed there for seven years. So, yeah, my met, met my wife there, she's Icelandic, but I met her in Minnesota, so I have fond and feelings to us and Minnesota. Yeah, yeah
0: that's awesome. Uh, okay, and also I think were people in Minnesota surprised that Iceland is not as cold in winter as Minnesota. Did you ever get that a lot? When oh yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we were complaining about the cold, they didn't understand. Yeah, they're like, "What do you mean? You're <laughs> living
0: like igloos or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> like there's always this perception versus reality that goes yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So yeah, I sort of didn't plan to go into education particularly, but I got involved in that.
0: Yeah, awesome. Okay. And just in terms of the education system in Iceland, I'm just wondering if you could explain how it's set up. So like the different levels that there are for education here and just a little bit about those levels.
1: Yeah. Well, in broad terms, you can say we have uh, what's called the pre-primary level. Which is sort of age one to six. Okay. And at age six, they start first grade, which is compulsory education. That's from one grade one to ten. Okay. So they stay in what you call Grundschule, or compulsory education from age six to sixteen. And that's compulsory. Okay. Like in the US, you have K 12, we have grade one to ten. Okay, got it. And uh, then we have what's called the upper secondary level. Or meta schooling, mm-hmm. or fram school, which is uh, four. Year, used to be four years; is now regular three-year programs. Okay. And they're both vocational and academic. And then we have uh, higher education, which is uh, say maybe fairly homogeneous, mostly academic mm-hmm. higher education institutions. We have seven of them. Okay. <laughs> Lots of choices. The master, yeah, the University of uh, Iceland is the biggest, far biggest, and uh, there you have sort of the, the traditional academic studies from bachelor's and masters and uh, PhD. Got it. Okay. So that's a broad picture, we'll roughly. Yes. System, yes. Which is very
0: helpful because I think when you said in terms, for instance, of K 12, K through 12. Right. Yeah. And grundskole, like there is a mix up easily as a person coming from the US. When I think of a, when I go to school, for instance, when I graduate from high school, you're 18. Whereas in right. Iceland, That's you're technically 20. Right. Like I meaning it's not really high school though, it's kind of a difference. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And yeah.
1: the, uh, what you call GAP secondary or Framalskoli is a mix between. High school and college. Right. Yeah. 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 So when you used to be four years, you, you graduate from upper secondary at the age 20. Mm-hmm. Now it's more regular 19. We took off, cut off one year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there are sort of similarities, but it's exactly the same as in the US. Okay.
0: Was the year cut off because it just, you just felt like, okay, you don't need this additional year? Or is it just also because in the world You've noticed that students are a little bit younger going to college. You know, was there any particular reason why it went from forty?
1: Well, it's a uh, maybe a complex story. say. Well, I can try to make it simple in terms of there are a lot of changes taking place in the Icelandic education system uh, for the last twenty years or longer. Okay. Uh, Maybe started in '96 when the. uh, Compulsory school was, school was moved to the municipalities, so the municipalities took take care of it. But uh, then in 2008, there were a lot of new legislation on, uh, on education, on all the school levels and teacher education, and there was emphasis on competencies mm-hmm. and sort of, uh, well, we put more modern emphasis in, in education. So. There was changes in the curriculum yeah. following, and there was a sense that uh, you would have to uh, revise the curriculum and uh, a more continuity between compulsory and upper secondary, okay. and that you could sort of restructure the education so they would attain the same competencies in three years instead of four. Got it. And it was compared compared to every all the Western countries, Iceland they had this sort of very long education yeah up to high educational level. So there was sort of analysis taking place and there was a conclusion that you could take one year off. You had similar things happening like right. in Ontario, Canada, in Germany. Okay and so on.
0: So like a trend was happening essentially. Yeah,
1: so, anyways, so you know. they were both sort of, uh, and they were also maybe economic arguments or there's, uh, yeah, the more time you spend in school the less time you spend earning Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> 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 yeah. market. The yeah. market, that part Direct of it, correlation but they also they sort of, yeah, but they also this is sort of uh, a part of a restructuring of the of the curriculum and the sort of structure of the Different stages in yeah. education. So.
0: Okay. Got it. All right. And I assume that technology is used quite a bit in the education system here in Iceland. I, I don't have any children. I have very young nieces and nephews. Right. So yeah. so I'm getting to learn a lot here in this particular okay. interview. Yeah. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, how early Is technology used, for instance, on like these different education levels? So you start kids out pretty early because, I mean, at home they're using iPads and all these other things and computers. So is that something that's really been integrated into the curriculum as well?
1: Well, it's uh, it's mixed. Uh, I think there's a sense of, uh, like you have in kindergarten in the U.S., there's a sense of before you start regular school, Mm -hmm. you need to be sort of playing and enjoy Sort of activities outdoors and uh, sort, of, sort of more broader personal development yeah. aspects. So, I and that includes a lot of the arts and so on in, in school. The kids that draw a lot and they tell stories and uh, yeah. so on. So, I think I don't think you have IT used that much in pre primary level or uh, preschool. Yeah. But and then how much is integrated in the uh, in the uh, compulsory level school, it might depend on so municipalities. Mm-hmm. You have some municipalities that introduced iPads for kids mm-hmm. from, age, from grade 7 or something, like yeah. 10 or 12. But uh, in other smaller schools out in the countryside, you had less. But Icelanders, they are, as you probably know, they are sort of tax
0: savings. So yes, exactly. <laughs> they like
1: technology and, uh, and there was a push early push like Icelandic schools I think they were the first in the world to be all connected to the internet. Mm. So there's an Icelandic education network in the early nineties. So yeah. it's early wow. sort of and uh, so there's a sort of general there's a lot of use of technology but it's sort of, I think it's moderated in the conversational level. And right. like for this, my institution here is this director of education. We took care of publication of education materials mm, okay. for the conversational level because Icelandic is a small language community. Right. We, yeah, the market doesn't work really well for that. So state take care of the, of the most education materials. Okay. So we do textbooks a lot. Okay, got it. As sort of the basic, and then the uh, the schools obviously have the freedom of using technology, and many of them do a lot of it, others do less. Yeah. So I think it varies between schools.
0: Okay. And when there's, say, like testing, for instance, right? And let's just say you found that the schools that were using technology were uh, somehow testing better. Not to say that's the only metric that you would ever look at, right? Yeah. right? But just this idea, right? It's All like, right. would you then make suggestions or give... Um, any type of advice to maybe schools that need some other like lifting areas and maybe you know hey these schools are doing this thing maybe you should try this Is that part of what you're doing here in this role or is it just providing Uh, materials and the schools kind of still having like deciding on their own
1: well it's kind of what we would like to move forward to doing okay because uh, i didn't tell you much about this this institute that I'm heading here say okay. I used to be at the ministry sort of working on sort of administrative level there and but here at the directorate it was sort of we did we merged two institutes, one for education materials and one for testing so we okay. do the national test and the PISA and so on. But uh, there's a sense of that the schools are independent and uh, traditionally we haven't had this role of advising on other methods or what emphasis schools should have, yeah. but I think obviously that's something that we we like to do, and and obviously comparing different methods, different right. ways of teaching, and or preferably we do we could do that with the like educational research institutes and mm-hmm. universities and so on to sort of gather knowledge and and, uh, and help schools improve. Yeah. So you're but, evolving this... Yeah, that's evolving. Yeah. We don't okay. have sort of this mandate, right. you say. Right, okay. Yeah.
0: So
1: okay. It's more up to the municipalities. Right, type, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: But of course, I'm sure they're open to <laughs> advice, or at least hopefully they are.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been doing that. We had a literacy program going on now for four years. Yeah. And right. we do that in that area. Okay. And But it's not not been that focused on technology. We do electronic testing and mm-hmm. uh, and we sort of help schools with that. But uh, in terms of the pedagogies and so on, yeah. and sort of these schools are fairly independent in, okay. in that area.
0: And you mentioned earlier, at least on the younger. Levels or lower levels, that there's a lot of like freedom for playing and drawing and everything. But on the other levels, is there any emphasis on creativity and kind of fostering that in within education here in Iceland? Uh,
1: I think. The culture is sort of in that, that area and, but that's mostly in the, the pre-primary and the compulsory. If you look at the, like the compulsory level, the percentage of the hours that are spent in art and craft and so on, I think mm-hmm. it's fairly high yeah. uh, compared to other countries. Uh, that changes somewhat in the uh, upper century or from from school. And then in the uh, higher education you have arts academy especially arts schools, okay. but it's not that integrated into the other colleges or universities. Mm. I think uh, that's something that we would definitely like to foster and improve. Yeah. But I think many would argue, okay, you have arts, arts uh, lines of study programs like in up secondary level, but it's not integrated that much in the... Other academic regular academic programs, yeah. but and that, but that saying that still, that we have a sort of fairly uh, progressive curriculum. Mm. In okay. uh, sort of we had the, I mentioned this legislation we had in 2008. Mm-hmm. That was in the spring of 2008. Okay. In the fall we had the economic crash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that obviously affected how. How you we were able to implement the new legislation, mm-hmm. which was, as I said, more like focused on competencies and uh, sort of what you would need for 21st century right. skills and so on. But, uh, and then in 2013, we had the new curriculum. But the curriculum was sort of kind of political to understand mm. because we wanted to have built this new education new society after the crash right, so, yeah. <laughs> so we had in the, all the we had sort of curriculum framework for the pre-primary and the, the primary or compulsory or, or and an up secondary we had sort of the pillars of education mm. with underlying all these different school levels and uh, they are a big part of that is creativity mm. it's democracy is is health and sort of uh, equality and so on. So that's sort of
0: yeah, that's awesome. very
1: broad emphasis that you would like to move, make on these school levels. And then the schools have quite a lot of freedom to implement that. Okay. The curriculum guide is very broad. Yeah. And uh, I think so many schools have sort of integrated that into their curriculum. Municipalities also, like city of Reykjavik I mean, has strong emphasis on that Yeah. now. And Definitely. so there's a freedom within the schools, although sort of centrally we haven't maybe been that much yeah. involved. And then maybe we shouldn't, So because yeah. you're looking at creativity. We, that's something that you can sort of support. And obviously the structure supports because the schools have a lot of freedom. Right. The upper secondary the schools, they have the freedom within the curriculum to pretty much build their own programs, it's mm. just the minimum standards that they have to qualify but okay. they, could, they could do all kinds of things in terms of uh, creativity, but in reality sort of education is slow to change, so.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly, I mean I think in culture uh, in general is slow to change, right, so yeah. a culture shift in essence how people teach and learn and even when they go home, right? Like, there's like these things have to
1: kind of like all come up together,
0: yeah. and so it's going to take, I guess, a little while for
1: <laughs> it all to. Yeah, and know. also, sort of, uh, it's a cultural thing. Also, if you look at Icelanders, I think they are very creative. Mm-hmm. They are sort of uh, sort of entrepreneur. Yes, uh, entrepreneurial,
0: entrepreneurial spirit, for spirit for sure. and
1: <laughs> so on. So uh, that's something in the culture. Uh, that's something that happens, sort of, informally. Sort of, I think these often the school system, it helps. We have a lot of uh, mm. art schools, independent art schools, music and so on. Mm. But there's a sort of sense that you have flexibility and you can, uh, it's fairly easy, well, traditionally it's very easy to uh, sort of, maybe drop out of school for a while and come back and so on and, so, and maybe do some of the, you're really in terms of arts and so on. Right. So there's, yeah, there's a, mm. some part of it, but of the formal to supports creativity, we haven't been doing much in terms of uh, producing educational material. Or I'd like to do more testing of yeah. creativity, <laughs> but that's not that's not something that. We've been doing, so, okay. uh, but it's yeah. more like it grows. It's a, it's a flexible structure in the schools. So it yeah. grows sort of more like it informally. In sort of okay. Creative. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
0: Interesting. Because I know that, um, just to kind of give you, yeah, when you're in the U.S., right, like there's, I always have to compare to some degree because that's my point of reference, right? And in the U.S., like we had arts and crafts. Right. But it's just a very small part of every of what you do. It doesn't There's a lot of structure to everything else. So, okay. I mean, granted, like you said, it depends on the schools here in Iceland. Right. Maybe they are kind of putting in more creative ways to learn math, for instance, or right. science or whatever else. Okay. But in my classes, it was just like, you're just learning science. There's a teacher at the front of the board, you know, right. and <laughs> like, maybe okay. you're doing some <laughs> experiments or something. Yeah. So I was just curious about that, like, atmosphere. But um, as you said, yeah. like, it kind of depends on the school. and.
1: Yeah, but I think... It's been growing because of the curriculum. The okay. curriculum supports that. That's good. So really, yeah. As and we have, uh, I think, progressive curriculum, and mm-hmm. many of the schools have been sort of using that. Yeah. But it takes time and it takes resources, and we haven't had much resources to put into schools. Yeah. In, for the last ten years, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And the difference, though, between say like a private school and a public school in Iceland is what. Not much. Not Uh, much, yeah. And I think uh, that's also really fascinating too. (laughs) So it's like, why choose the private school if the public school is very similar, right? Um, Uh, And I don't know the answer to that. But it is fascinating to me to hear about these different um, types of schools you can go to, and yet maybe there's a different philosophy that a school has or something. Um,
1: Yeah, there are some, uh, like for the pre-primary or the the play school or... They have so- schools with like special emphasis uh, like for uh, one is sort of traditionally really focused on the uh, uh, working differently with boys and girls. Mm-hmm.
0: So I've heard entered, about this one. Entry, I, find, so, yeah. I like this idea. So just to kind of give the audience a bit of an background, if you can, just to explain it, what, what how they work with boys and girls.
1: Well, uh, I'm not the best person to <laughs> explain that. But, uh, <laughs> But it started with sort of one entrepreneur sort of, She was really fascinated by how, how we should work with. Sort of, her argument was that the boys, they tend to sort of take over mm-hmm. in the classroom mm-hmm. with are with girls. So you need to give the boys and girls sort of separate spaces to work in. And that, and particularly support the goal to be more powerful and have the initiative yeah. and so on. So uh, that's been quite popular approach. It's well, it's just in this private private school it started in in uh, in pre primary or pre play school, and then it moved up to the comparison level.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, it's a significant part of the flora in Iceland, you can yeah. say. <laughs> but uh, but if you sort of comparatively, there are relatively few private schools. Right. Yeah. And uh, most go to public schools in the neighbourhood. Uh, you have some schools on the upper central level, but they are not that different in terms of the programs they offer. That you mm-hmm. from other school, uh, except maybe for the arts. They have okay. some dance schools and. Uh, Music as so.
0: well. Yeah. But say like in the international school you might find that they're talking in English only, whereas in a normal public school in Iceland or something, the curriculum is in Icelandic. Is yeah. that the case, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there's this that I guess difference could be for maybe a child who doesn't understand or speak Icelandic. Yeah. Their parents decide to send them to a school like that. Yeah. They could do that. Okay. You have a
1: Catholic school here that's it has an English program, I think, okay. and uh, other international courses. Yeah. yeah, not many, but right. some. And there's international baccalaureate
0: Yes, or yeah. yeah. And and on that note of language, so when a kid comes into Iceland, they could be Icelandic, and maybe they say they were growing up in the U.S. for some years, and they their parents decided to move back to Iceland, or a kid of foreign origin. Is there um, a process for this kid, meaning like a curriculum that's set up, if they were to enter a school that is mainly Icelandic, in order for them to get up to speed and to learn the language?
1: Well, there is a curriculum that's fairly new. And uh, traditionally, that that hasn't been much of an issue in Iceland. (laughs) Uh, But but for the last 20 years, you have sort of massive increase in Mm -hmm. the number of students of foreign ownership so like 10 times more than 2000 now than in 2000 so it's a lot of and now people are becoming more aware but I think sort of sort of well-defined formal programs that you are starting in that area Mm. so that's something that's a lot of pressure to do something and but still it's sort of different between the municipalities and so on. Yeah. So like the okay. large municipalities like Revikevic they have some structure but but most of the emphasis has been to have the kids part of the class and uh, yeah. there are not I think very few special programs for initiation of mm-hmm. okay. foreign students.
0: So it may or may not be something that's working for like depending like you said on the municipality, it could be that they've thought about this or had to think about it more because they have yeah. more foreign kids, but maybe out in the countryside, right, if a kid moves there, it's like, well, you're just kind of in the class now. Yeah. So it oh, yeah. yeah. so really isn't like an onboarding process for no. a no, child that don't is... don't have this tradition like in the U.S. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's,
1: but it's developing, I think, it's, and it's, uh, you know, you could expect yeah. to have more services like that.
0: Is there any concern about teenagers who are... Talking English more than you know, sometimes Icelandic. Or I know I've noticed a lot of kids that are using English phrases when yeah. they're speaking Icelandic, which I find hilarious. To, like to hear Icelandic, and then you just randomly hear something like, I don't know, I can't think of an, uh, one of them right now, but it happens pretty often. Uh-huh. And I'm just wondering, like in within education in Iceland, is there any concern about this shift towards sometimes leaning on English or using it more because it's quite popular and a lot of people speak
1: it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's having a lot of impact. Uh, and Iceland is sort of a very small language community. <laughs> yeah. so And we have this sort of old language. It's an old language. And it might not have developed as English sort of to reflect this modern world right. of computer games and all that. So I think kids meet in school and talking about the computer games they were playing last night and so on. I think often they prefer to do it in English, and they do it, and they are involved in this English-language world, right. where they are like Fortnite, playing games, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and they are communicating with people all over the world, and that's, and that's in English. Right. I think that's sort of a big concern that we've been seeing now, like from the results in PISA, the reading comprehension is going down, and I think research has shown that a very important part of it is this English inversion,
0: so mm. English you're not, is reading threatening Icelandic, Icelandic. not reading Icelandic, <laughs> yeah. you not
1: communicating maybe enough in Icelandic, and you're watching programs, television programs in English, yes. and uh, reading material in English on social media and so on. I think that's definitely having an impact. Right.
0: Yeah. And from the perspective of the directorate, is that, you know, something that you're looking to tackle or help the schools tackle because of this PISA uh, results you were talking about, since you're d- d- the testing yeah. falls under uh, your agency, right? right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so obviously that's quite uh, concerning, but is that, I guess, you know, a roadmap that you're working on in order to kind of help with this literacy problem amongst teenagers?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's something we had, uh, this, the government initiated this literacy project uh Four years ago, so okay.
0: So based off of this, yeah, yeah,
1: based on these results that we're seeing in in reading, like you you can see it if you compare the piece of results in U.S. and Icelandic and Iceland. Yeah, we were about the same time, same same states in in reading in two thousand, but since Icelandic has Iceland has declined and U.S. Mm. has been going up, but uh, but we are better in mathematics than the U.S. Okay, so. Uh, I think part of it might be this sort of language issue and uh, so there's been a lot of push by the government and we've been sort of uh, responsible for implementing that policy of supporting literacy yeah. and that means providing education materials and the provides provide, provide uh, assessment mm-hmm. of comprehension uh, support of writing yeah. and reading and I think what is very important to have more books, mm-hmm. more something that's of interest to right, students, and yeah. that's definitely that to be or something that we're working on. So okay. providing more books, also for school libraries and so on, is very important, and that's something that the government is looking at.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is all fascinating because Iceland is already around the world, at least seen or you know perceived to be a very literate society, which it is. And at the same time, there's this pocket of young adults who will soon be much older, right, who are having a literacy problem that can only, like, get worse if it isn't tackled. But at the same time, it's technology, right? That's the problem. So the technology is the helper, and it's, like, the issue all at once, right? Because it's connecting people so much more over the world, around the world, but... Uh, the, the connecting language is English. The you know you're bombarded with English if you go on different social media channels and all this other stuff. So I think that's all really a fascinating challenge to kind of overcome.
1: Yeah, the future. It's a question of survival of the language, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis now on language technology. Yeah. So you can communicate with Alexa and, oh, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> and new technologies in Icelandic.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, you really can not now. You're talking with Siri or whatever.
0: That's a big thing to take on, though, right? I said that's a big thing to take on, to have a um, program like Siri or Alexa understand Icelandic, Icelandic. which is quite complex. It's it's only 360,000
1: who speak it. Right, right. yeah.
0: And there's layers to it. I mean, it's like English is, even though it can be difficult for... many people depending on the words and homonyms and all these things but uh, the structure of Icelandic is like the declining of words right? <laughs> and all this other stuff that happens right, yeah. and you're just like, what? There's, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and also, I think in terms of uh, you're talking about Iceland being a literate society I think, yeah, that's our conception that's part of our culture mm-hmm. So we all give books for Christmas and right. we have the sagas and the old literary tradition right. but to understand I think that might be a ha- sort of a, maybe, maybe not a handicap, but there is a downside to that because we are so literally focused. Mm. In one society, you need all kinds of texts. Right. You need more scientific texts and sort of more and traditional texts. Okay. And so,
0: diversity in literature. Yeah,
1: I think we need more diversity in the text we're using. Okay. So, I think we may be more focus on of fiction and so on instead of maybe you need more broader range of texts. Okay. That includes the technology and science and all the complex environment that you're living in. And that needs to be reflected in Icelandic. Right, yeah.
0: So um, translating a lot of these texts.
1: Yeah, we would need to do that. And and, and, yeah, translating obviously would be a big part and uh, we don't have this machine translation. Right. <laughs> well, they we have it, but not, it's not that yeah. good. No, so. Google Translate <laughs> is uh, hilarious to use. I okay. actually have a
0: friend who Google translates uh, news articles and uh, the headlines, and it's hilarious sometimes what comes up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you just take uh, it directly. I <laughs> so.
1: that be improving. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so you mentioned that as one challenge. Are there any other challenges that the Directorate of Education is trying to tackle?
1: Around education, well, we, one is gender difference. You mm. see a lot of difference between boys and girls, and uh, that's really something that we would need to focus on. And uh, we see it in Pisa. There's a big gender difference in in reading, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's a cultural issue. that something that you and really isn't enough good research in that area okay. I think it's something that we really need to focus on and for uh, students of foreign artists that's obviously a big right. issue you need to work on and then on the upper secondary level dropout uh, is quite high uh, still in mm. students and uh, okay. that's becoming increasingly difficult when you have sort of this complex Uh, economic environment employment and so on it used to be very easy in Iceland you could always get a job and it was was still very low in employment but the new labour market is quite different than it was used to be so you need education and you need to support the students to finish their education
0: and what about I know you mentioned the vocational aspect so there could be academic or vocational is there a lot of emphasis sometimes on vocational for students who maybe feel like they don't fit in <laughs> to this academic, you know, environment. Is that something? If say a student does drop out, to kind of encourage them to take on a vocation, so that they at least have um, a job, that they where have set skills that they can evolve over time.
1: Yeah, that's a big emphasis also by the government now is uh-huh. to support vocational education. We had, as I said, uh, not that many, like ten or forty percent. Go into directly into vocational education after okay. the Finnish compulsory level. That's far too high compared to like Finland, where you have like fifty-six yeah. percent going into that area. Okay. And uh, so there is a strong emphasis on supporting that. Yeah, that area. That yeah. makes sense. I mean,
0: I just think in general, in different countries, this is probably the case. You know, where you have, if you're not going to be in academic area, at least yeah. that's not where you find your strength then at least get some skills that you can utilize to, to work, whether it's being a mechanic or something like that, right? There's just different... Yeah, definitely,
1: areas. yeah. And you also need to see sort of that you can continue, if you like to, if you go... Right. ...finish some some uh, studies, so you can go on for some more technical studies and so on, later on. Yeah. And, uh, so the progression is important also, yeah. Exactly.
0: And you mentioned about the comparison with the U.S. and, and reading and things. What about with other Nordic countries? How does Iceland compare there with the education systems?
1: Well, Finland is always a special case. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, well, we used to do quite well. Like in 2000, we were sort of uh, among the highest of the other Nordic countries. But uh, it's been, and uh, like in 2012, we were similar to like Sweden. And uh, so it kind of maybe fluctuates, Mm. but for the last, pieces 2015 and 2018 we have sort of been declining in reading we've been going sort of reversing up in mathematics mm. but and so we are yeah, fairly low compared to, lower than we'd like to be mm-hmm. compared to other countries in the, in the three areas in Pisa for example and uh, but I say that's sort of maybe because of the changes that have been taking place in Iceland, I mentioned, since new legislation, a new curriculum, and, and that we really haven't, all the Nordic countries have been really sort of pushing hard yeah. for policies and actions to improve. Mm-hmm. And we weren't, I don't think we have, sort of fundamentally, we are sort of similar systems. Yeah. But uh, I think we have been, because of the economic crash and so on, we've been yeah. slower to to do the necessary supports st- measures to for okay. education system but uh, So for the last piece of view we were sort of, yeah, somewhat lower than the other
0: countries okay. yeah. Do you ever look to those other Nordic countries or is there like a, any type of collaboration in terms of helping, you know or giving advice or getting inspiration from, in order, you know, to implement uh, yeah. things within curriculum or um, overall well, in the system?
1: Yeah, there, there is a uh, well, there's a big cooperation between the Nordic countries we have, like I have meetings with my colleagues okay. and there's a Nordic Council cooperation and there are grants giving for, to cooperate in areas of yeah. education for students to go also abroad and so on. Yeah. So yeah, we tend to compare ourselves yeah. Yeah, to the Nordic countries and <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously we follow their policies, what they're doing. and. Uh, like I'm going to Sweden next week to (laughs) learn about what they are doing, so it's... uh, Okay,
0: uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I think uh, it's always good to get that insight, for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, well, it's sort of how the trends in education are. Obviously, we also also in cooperation with uh, like Ireland and uh, Mm. Scotland, and uh, and we look to Canada. and Some of these trends are international, I think, in education policy, and... Historically, also uh, had right. Often they were saying we had picked something, something from Sweden, but then you looked closer. Okay, it was originally in the U.S. So it's okay. <laughs> Maybe came to Iceland. We are Sweden, or <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, All right,
0: and I'm going to go back actually to your University of Minnesota days. Okay. So roll back to the 90s. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> because I'm just curious about when you were there, because you went to House School Islands here, yeah. right? And then you went to the University of Minnesota. And I'm just wondering, in comparison, now Grant, I know you were in a PhD program, but just from uh, your um, observations there, like, did it feel that much different to you between universities? Did you feel that you were prepared for your experience going to Minnesota, coming from Iceland and Things
1: like that. Yeah, that's an interesting question, uh, yes and no, I think obviously well, I was somewhat, because of the I think system, school system, I was a bit maybe older, no I don't think I was sort of similar age, most of the students are starting graduate programs in, in mm. the US, okay. but I, I think I had a fairly good foundation, but there was a lot of, the workload was much higher in, mm. in the US. I remember I was just overwhelmed okay. when I started compared to in Iceland. Yeah. Obviously you had to sort of study in a new language and so on. But it was very hard for mm-hmm. the first <laughs> first year basically. Yeah. First quarter I remember I just yeah, I was so so relaxed when I had the daylight time chasing. <laughs> <laughs> one, I gained one hour, I was sort of <laughs> ecstatic, so uh, but uh, <laughs> the workload was much higher and the, and the uh, requirements were higher yeah. but that part of it was because you were going to graduate studies right. but and there were sort of uh, yeah but i think sort of there's greater pressure and and more work in you say that in, in general
0: yeah for sure and i cuz i know of a lot of people who are interested in studying in iceland let's just say right yeah. So I mean, i do not. It's not to say that if you were to come from the U.S., you know, university studies to Iceland, that it would be a lighter load. But it's just, it's different. It's right? different,
1: so yeah, yeah. And uh, no, I think obviously, yeah, I was there in the so. eighties, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and so that old. So it's, I think, the Icelandic system has changed also. Yeah, So you have a lot of more graduate programs offered now at the University of Iceland mm-hmm. and that sort of thing affects, but I uh, still think it's sort of uh, the Icelandic students could learn mm-hmm. somewhat from <laughs> be more structured and uh, more focused on the studies and, uh, like in the US yeah, and okay. they have more, rec- sort of they have these courses that you really have to do well in and you have yeah. to meet the requirements to go yeah. to a next, next level yeah. and so on. Okay. It's sort of uh, so here well, it's it's... Different culture is sort of yeah. okay. but I, I'm not that familiar with the graduate programs here in Iceland to be able okay. to compare it now. Yeah. But that sort of that was my sense when I started my yeah. studies. So, but that, yeah. but then it maybe became more more relaxed when you got a hold of it after the first year. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question for you is uh, one I actually ask everybody, which is, what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Well,
1: probably just that I'm sort of thinking about the new year and so on. Mm -hmm. I say, I like the sort of the the word, the Okay. It's optimistic. Yes. Nice. Uh, Optimism, uh, sort of. It's like uh, bright view. Bright view. Yeah. The the literal translation. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, so you could kind of phrase in English, uh, unwarranted optimism, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I would say Austerlös bjassinit. You say a little a- bit a- slow? De de biassini. Biassini, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: That's
1: sort of the phrase I'm thinking about now. Okay. <laughs> For the new year. <laughs> <laughs> the new year. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay.
0: I think that's a good time to catch people too, because usually most people are excited in January about like, what's ahead? Yeah. Hopefully, by the end of January, you still feel that way, <laughs> It's yeah. A, you know, like.
1: yeah, then, well, you can also, there's a discussion. Icelandic is a very sort of lively language. Mm-hmm. So we like to coin new words in Icelandic for foreign words. Like, we have Tölva for computer and yeah. "sími" for telephone and so on. It's our old word, Right. So now we're coining new words for the uh, climate change and so on. So okay. Like, <laughs> sort of climate catastrophe and so yeah. on okay. so uh, that's part of what we're thinking yeah. <laughs> the new words yeah. <laughs> in Icelandic yeah. Yeah.
0: alright well thank you very much for this interview it was super helpful just kind of getting this breakdown and also getting some insight from you on a professional and personal level about the education system in Iceland
1: From talking to you thank you